0: We've been created in the image of God. And like God, we have the unique components of him, his personhood. We have minds, we have emotions and a will. So if God grieves, then grief is a part of what it means to be human. Grief is normal. Grief in light of the truth of the gospel is good. Our goal is not to make grief smaller or help it go away quicker. It's to allow God to use grief to grow us and make us more like Jesus. Our emotions in grief mirror God's own heart and emotions serve to catch our attention and point us to the truth in a situation and drive us toward the heart of God. The complexity of emotions that we feel while grieving are all an opportunity to understand God and his ways in a new deeper sense. We don't only grieve the death of a loved one, we grieve sin and the effects of sin in our life and in our relationships. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, here we go again. I am glad to be back with you. Thanks for joining me today here on the Everyday Disciple Podcast. I gotta be honest with you, I'm Sort of starting to let down and move my head in a little different direction. I'm pretty excited because tomorrow I'm leaving for just a few days of r and a little vacay with Tina. Pretty stoked about that. So maybe I'll tell you more about that on the next episode, how it all went. But weather's uh, weather's supposed to be great. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I need it too. We both do. Hey, it's been a while since I've read a few reviews that have come in for the podcast. And I, I pulled these out of the... Apple Podcasts or iTunes directory. I uh, might have missed these. Some of these came in just a while back. Here's one from Schmuck21. I think I might know who this is. Headline here says, Real Life Relevant Issues with Application. Nice. Very concise. Five stars. Thank you. It says, Love these podcasts and how they actually touch on things that I can relate to. I can't wait for Monday mornings to listen to a new podcast for the week. The podcasts are very thought-provoking and cover items that seem like they are often skipped out on by others, or they don't want to touch on those. You always have things that are relevant and can be applied to life. Also, the big three can take a bunch of information and make it simpler and easier to remember. Awesome. Thank you. That's our goal. I'm glad that you feel that way and it's been an encouragement to you. Your review is also an encouragement to others. Thank you very much. Here's another one it says blown away. Well, And it's also five stars. Thank you. It says, well, I'm caught up on all the podcasts. I'm blown away by the information, and I look forward to implementing many of the things I've learned. I long to see this kind of community where I live, the kind of transformation that exhibits the power of God. I'm sad that I'm all caught up. However, the replayability of every episode is astounding. I'm pretty sure I can listen to each episode numerous times and still gather something new. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you, Tammy15. Thanks for that review. I want to invite you all to drop us a review and a rating and some stars and all that. Uh, Especially, I know a whole lot of you do listen on Apple Podcasts or through iTunes on your phone. Our analytics show us that's the case. And so I know it's a little bit of a hassle, but that would be a way of sort of paying it forward to others and also blessing me and my team. If you would just take a moment, you can even pause this podcast right now and go and leave a review. That will help encourage others and pass the word. The other thing that really helps is if you like this, that you just go over to the everydaydisciple.com forward slash podcast, go to my website, and grab the link for that episode. Drop it into your own Facebook feed or on Instagram or whatever, and pass the word along. We need each other. When you find things that are meaningful, please pass them on to your church, people in your small group, family members. I'd really appreciate it. And make sure to subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever you listen to so that you don't miss an episode right there. It'll be right there waiting for you every Monday morning. All right? Awesome. Thank you. Now, I recently received an email from some new friends I met while visiting a missional community in San Antonio. We had a great time. And this member of their community wrote asking me to speak on the podcast about dealing with grief and also said, an addiction and other hard relational situations in community. And as I, I love that idea. And as I thought and prayed and researched how I might talk with you all about this, I realized a couple things. Grief and addiction and a whole list of other hard topics are a little too complex to talk about with any real depth all in one edition of the podcast. I also realized that as I decided to talk about grief today, and that's what we're going to talk about, grief in light of the gospel, that a true understanding of grief in light of the gospel, actually has a lot to say about these other hard relational situations that we experience in life and in close community with others. Grief comes in lots of forms and situations because loss and change in our life comes in all shapes and sizes. When we think of grief, we usually tend to focus especially on the crippling grief that comes from death. But our lives are filled with daily mini-deaths losses and hurts big and small a harsh or critical word here or there betrayal rejection gossip or maybe a relational stab in the back that horrifying medical diagnosis that we never wanted to hear relational separation or divorce maybe a messy church split or a prodigal son or daughter losing our job the list goes on and on so today I'm going to talk about grief from a gospel-centered perspective, and I think you'll see how it actually speaks into and touches a lot of these things that we experience in life. Now, growing up in my family, we were not taught to grieve. In fact, we were almost not allowed to grieve, and my wife Tina was sort of raised the same way. We weren't really allowed to show emotions, unless, of course, it was, you're happy, not too happy, settle down, and grief was primarily associated with just one thing, someone's death. That's really the only category grief may be connected to, at least the way it was displayed in my life growing up. And there was this weird pragmatism connected to death and grief. Well, they're dead, you can't bring them back. They had a good life. We'll see them in heaven someday. There's nothing you can do about it now, so why be so upset or angry or don't be too sad? That's kind of how it was. It was sort of a dismissal of what we were feeling and a pragmatism to kind of get past it. I want to start to uncover what the Bible says and how the gospel speaks into grief by going to Ephesians 4. We're going to look at verses 25 to 30 and then a couple extras, and I'll give you a few thoughts. that will kind of set us up for where we're going. So here we go, Ephesians 4, verse 25. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, meaning believing false stuff, believing lies, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another now er, I got to drop the break here I love this because we talk a lot about discipleship being the move from unbelief to belief in every area of life we also talk a lot about treating everyone like family that because we're all created in God's image we're part of that same family right here at the beginning of this passage we see kind of both being magnified by Paul put away having put away falsehood lies Speak the truth with your neighbor, for we're members one of another. Wow, powerful. goes on and says, be angry, but don't sin. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. then jump into verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. Meaning, you know, when it's time, when it's a good time, you want to speak building upwards but when it fits the occasion not always but when it's right we're going to talk more about that that it may give grace to those who hear wow powerful and then we get to verse 30 and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption so now we get to this idea of grief Hmm. and you've heard this phrase before don't grieve the holy spirit but you notice the context it's in okay we've just heard a about putting away falsehood, lies, deception, not believing the truth, and that we might be angry about things in life, but don't let it take you to sin. And then it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And then it goes on for two more verses, and look what it lists off. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Whoa. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you wow that is so packed now here's a couple huge takeaways from this i want to point out in connection to grief in light of the gospel first is what god grieves we see in this passage is sin yeah that's it's sin that god is grieving here and sin is living in unbelief that leads to all forms of destruction Remember that whole thing start off, verse 25, with having put away falsehood? That's lies. So then in verse 30, where it talks about do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, it's spoken here in a context of, in fact, it's sandwiched near the middle of a huge list of sins. Don't lie. Don't sin in your anger. Don't steal. Don't speak evil things. Don't be bitter or filled with wrath. Don't slander other people. See what I'm saying here? Well, why? Because it's sin that grieves God sin committed by us because of falsehood because of our unbelief about what is true about God and what he now says is true about us because of Jesus and also grieving sins committed against us because of others unbelief or false belief. That's what grieves God sin grieves God. And the second thing that comes to mind when I read all this is that we've been created in the image of God. Like God, we have the unique components of him and his personhood. We have a mind, we have his emotions, and he has given us a will. We have choice in life and how we respond to things. So if God grieves, then grief is a part of what it means to be human. Grief is normal. Grief in some way is good because God only does what is good and right and perfect. And maybe as we go along, we'll see that grief is not sort of somehow good but maybe in fact it's a gift from God to lead us closer to him and by the way if sin is what grieves God sin and the effects of sin is this the thing behind the thing as to why we grieve too in other words is our grief over someone's death because of the effects of sin yeah death came into the world through sin is do we grieve A broken relationship or when someone slanders us or gossips against us? Yeah, we grieve the broken relationship, but that's because of sin. Gossip's a sin. Slandering people, that's sin. Think about that. What we grieve is what God grieves, and that's sin and the effects of sin. Now, this idea of a grieving God brings to mind Isaiah's description of Jesus called the suffering servant. It says in Isaiah 53, 3, in reference to the coming Messiah, Jesus, it says, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So it's not some just global picture of God grieving sin, but we see in the personhood of Jesus, who is God, he also grieved sin. My old friend and co-leader at SOMA, Abe Meisenberg, has put it this way, said, Jesus is the image of God. Jesus was the perfect human, the most complete man who ever lived, the most accurate representation of the image of God since Adam. Jesus is the image of God, and he was acquainted with grief. So again, grief is a part of what it means to be human. But furthermore, Jesus is no stranger to the grief we experience. We often think about how Jesus identifies with us in our temptations or in our suffering, like look in 1 Peter 4, but how often do we really think about the fact that Jesus can identify with our feelings of grief and sadness and sorrow? The gospel also tells us we're not alone in our grief. Jesus has walked in our shoes and is well acquainted with the full spectrum of grief that sin invokes. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Abe. So think about the story of Jesus running into Martha on his way to Lazarus' tomb. You can look this up in John 11. Here's what it says. It says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. So see, there's some anger here. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, it says, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And that's grief. And it goes on and says, He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we get the shortest verse in scripture. It says, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. Jesus grieves. But why does Jesus grieve? Why does he grieve when he ultimately knows what's about to happen? If you follow the rest of the story, it's because Jesus is grieving the effects of sin. When Jesus returns and establishes the fullness of his kingdom, there will be no more sickness, pain, or death, or mourning, or crying. Yeah, go check that out in Revelation 21. And more or less, that's a summary of the effects of sin on humanity sickness, pain, death, mourning, tears. So here, Jesus, the one who created all things and all of us, is grieving, perhaps with a thought like this running through his head thinking, "Well, this is not the way I created the world to work. This is not what I want for you." I think that's fair to think. That's probably his heart in that. That's why he's weeping. That's why he grieves. There's plenty of other examples where we see Jesus grieving. Now, death, it seems, is perhaps the one area in which we still give ourselves permission to grieve. I kind of told you about my own upbringing. Death is so hard. It's so final. It's so at odds with the way God designed us humans to live. We were created to live forever, Scripture teaches, that that when we experience death, someone that we love dies, we can't help but grieve that. Death really makes no sense to us because we weren't created for that. We were created for a life, eternal. It's sort of instinctual for humans to grieve death. Now, my friend Abe goes on to say, But what about the other effects of sin? What about disease? What about broken relationships? What about corruption or economic and social inequality? We live in a fallen world filled with brokenness. The effects of sin are all around us. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations where no single person's sin is the cause of our pain. And yet we are clearly experiencing life in a way that God never intended. So in reality, if we, like our creator God, need to get to grieve sin and the effects of sin, well, then I'll bet life is full of opportunities to grieve. It's not just over the death of a lost one. Our life is full of grief. We may just not see that. So we know that our emotions are God-given. Our emotions mirror God's own heart. And our emotions serve to catch our attention. When we feel sad, angry, upset, embarrassed, fearful, they catch our attention and they point us to the truth of a situation. What's going on here? But they also drive us toward the heart of God. I wanna suggest that we don't stuff our emotions, that we let our emotions be gifts from God to catch our attention as to something's going on here and it's an opportunity to understand truth and get to the thing behind the thing. Hey, so-and-so was not that impressed with your presentation or your idea. And I felt embarrassed or I felt angry or I felt mad towards them. Okay, let that emotion point out what's going on here in your heart. Is that person's opinion of you so glorious, so amazing that if you don't have it, you, you wouldn't live? Or you have to get angry and then put them down and maybe that leads you to sort of gossiping against them so you can feel better? I don't know. You see my point? So as our emotions sort of catch our attention and lead us to the truth about who God is, is grief the same way? Is the complexity of emotions we feel and go through while grieving, all of it an opportunity to understand God, his heart, and his ways in a new, deeper sense? I think it is. Now, sociologists and psychiatrists and people who are really smart with all this stuff— years ago, came up with what is called the five stages of grief. They're denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I found a pretty concise description of each of these five stages of grief online at medicine.net.com. Let me, let's briefly go through these. It'll help us understand what's going on and what God might be trying to catch our attention and point us to. So the first stage here they list off is denial. Denial is what you experience when you first hear the news of a sudden loss, something which you had not expected and imagined. You're shocked and stunned. You're not able to digest the fact that this has happened to you. Hence, you deny the fact that it's ever happened. You try to absorb the information, but your mind just can't really fully go there. Stage two is anger. Anger is what you go through once you come to terms with the loss, be it of a person or a relationship. The deep sense of sorrow and resentment may also find its way in the form of anger directed towards others, such as the one you lost, or maybe your boss if you lost your job, or people around you, or maybe even anger towards God. I hear that a lot. Not everyone goes through this stage. Some people control their anger more than others, but often anger can make people feel unapproachable and sometimes People are okay with that. Like, just leave me alone. I can hide a little bit here in this anger. Stage three is bargaining. Bargaining in grief means you ask God to bring back what you've lost in exchange for something. You get a false belief that you can mend things through negotiation. It's like giving false hope to yourself and postponing the feeling of hopelessness. You're most vulnerable and feel helpless during this stage. Next stage is stage four, depression. So the earlier stages of denial and anger and our bargaining are full of activity in our brain. We're just, we're going a million miles an hour trying to reconcile and understand. As soon as you realize you can't change things, that you don't control things, well, we kind of become quiet and begin to isolate ourselves from people around us and we go into a shell. You feel alone and empty, perhaps even when you're surrounded by your family and friends nothing really seems to make you feel better. There's a sense of deep depression that kicks in. And stage five is acceptance. And that's when you come to terms with reality. And I would add, come to terms with truth. You accept that this has happened and you need to move on in life. And you realize that there's nothing you can do to retrieve what you've lost. And so you try and start to move on. Author David Kessler says, The five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are a part of the framework that makes up our learning to live with what or who we've lost. They're tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling, but they're not stops on some linear timeline in grief. Not everyone goes through all of them or in a prescribed order. And I agree with him. I don't think these five stages are linear. We can bounce around and back and forth between these five stages. Sometimes you feel anger first when something happens, and then you might get into denial. And sometimes with denial, there's defense, and then you might try to accept it, and that leads to depression because it's never going to change. And then you might get to starting to bargain. Let me see if I can fix this. So you see what I mean? It it, it can just move around and bounce, and and not everybody moves through these things in the same way. No two people grieve in the same way. You've seen this in your own life and family. Different people experience loss and grief in the same situation, but perhaps in very different ways. Now, here's another quote from David Kessler. Wow, this is profound. He says, we think our job is to make the grief smaller. Grief doesn't get smaller, he says. Our job is to grow bigger around the grief. Wow, that really struck me. And I think the way I'd say this in light of the gospel is our job or what we need in light of our grief is to gain a better understanding of the truth of who God is, how he created life to be, and his heart and his hopes in connection to all of this, to the situation we're facing. To grow bigger in the truth because of the pain and loss or anger we're feeling. That's how I'd put that. See, we may never fully move on from anger or move on from the pain. You may never fully accept things or want to accept things that have happened in a relationship or accept things as they are now. But you can move on toward the truth and move on from false beliefs, growing bigger in a sense, in light of and because of the situation or loss you're experiencing. We have to choose that, but we get to. And here's the thing, we can help others find truth and move from false beliefs to truth. And within truth, we find meaning, we find hope. I think that is the way out of grief. Not necessarily that we don't feel those emotions, but out of the crippling effects of it to a bigger gospel, to a bigger understanding of who God is, what he's doing, what he's done, And what's true of us, out of that we find hope for how we get to live. Okay, so since it is sin and the effects of sin that cause us grief, then things like slander, gossip, addictions, lies, a lot of the things we experience in life and community that hurt us and destroy relationships can and probably need to be grieved. Don't miss this. Think of situations or relationships that you still have anger or bitterness or fear in? Have you grieved those situations and allowed the gospel to speak into the anger or the denial, the depression, the pain? If we skip grieving, we may become stuck in one of the five stages and therefore stuck in the ongoing effects of that sin and may in fact be sinning in our heart or words, or actions in light of this, in light of whatever the situation is. I think that's true. I can look at my own life, and I can see areas of pain, or relational loss, or maybe even loss of life, someone in my life, that I really didn't allow myself to grieve, or I didn't grieve in light of the gospel. And in some ways, I'm kind of stuck in one of the five stages. I think the five stages of grief may help show us How a person or maybe ourselves views that situation, that loss or change in relationship, and it gives us insight into how the gospel speaks to them where they are at that moment. Meaning, which of the five stages they may be experiencing is gonna necessitate us speaking truth and love to them, maybe in a little different way. We're not just gonna give platitudes or pithy Christian quotes. But we're going to take the time to be with people and listen well enough to know, are they in denial of the situation? Are they angry? And maybe it's going to lead them to sin. Are they trying to bargain? Are they stuck in a deep depression? See, each of those gives us a different window into their heart, into their experience, to how we speak the gospel. And maybe as a starting place, how can we apply the four G's to each of these stages? Now, if you've never heard about the four G's, I, I want to tell you, wow, mind-blowing stuff from Tim Chester. There are four eternal truths about God that all start with the letter G. It's why we call them the four G's. So it's God is great. Corresponding thought is, so I don't have to be in control. And God is glorious. He's the most glorious one. He loves us completely. So I don't have to fear others or what they think of me. God is good. That's the third one. He only does what is good and right and perfect. So I don't need to look elsewhere for my satisfaction and joy and hope. And God is gracious. So I don't have to prove myself or earn anything. Okay. So those are the four G's. How might they need to speak to people's hearts who are grieving in the areas of denial, anger, bargaining, or depression? What if someone is really angry because let's say someone's gossiped against them or about them and it's really, oh, it's a big situation. I mean, gossip is poison, right? Well, and they're angry. Can they control the situation? Are they great? And so therefore they have to control that and they have to go to every person in the world and build their own defense? Or can they believe that God is great and so I don't have to control people or things? Or is because that person that gossiped against them, they thought they loved me. I thought, oh, I love this person. What's going on? They they made them so glorious, more glorious than God, that it hurts so bad that now they're really, really angry. See what I'm saying? Looking at the situation and where a person is in their grief, which stage of grief they might be experiencing now, gives us some insight. How about if they're in... Like a bargaining situation, and so they're backpedaling. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know why that happened. I guess that was probably my fault. And they're and they're really bummed out. And now they're actually starting to tell themselves lies and other people lies about a situation. Again, trying to control things. They're not believing God is great, and so they're trying to control it. Or they're not believing God is good, and that what He's doing in a situation is going to be good for us and good for His glory. And so we start to bargain and we try to, well, okay, God, if you'll do this, then I'll never do this again. And that's trying to earn his love and his grace in our life. We're not believing he's gracious. And so we're trying to prove something. So we bargain. You see how that works? I mean, this could be exhaustive. To learn more about the four Gs, we've talked about it on a couple of episodes. Go back and look at what causes sin and how to stop it. We go deep into the four Gs. And I think you'll see how they speak into these stages of grief okay as i start to wrap up here and you're thinking about all that is grief something that god gives us then to help us embrace his love and truth in connection to more and more of life instead of just hurting or becoming angry or distant or just stuffing something away or becoming complacent or just i don't care anymore i believe it is I believe grief is a gift from God. It's not something that happens to us, but it's a mirror of God's own heart. And it helps us to walk through and find the good news, the truth of who God is and what's going on in his heart in connection to the effects of sin that we might grieve the way he grieves and then move to accepting the truth, move from unbelief to belief. Grief helps us understand God's heart and glory, what he's really like and why. And it leads us to a gospel response and way of living. And the gospel is always good news. It's good news for us. And it's good news for those in our lives, our family, our community, our churches. All right, that's pretty deep. You might need to back this up and hear parts of this over. But as always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's topic. If nothing else, you don't want to miss these. Maybe you were at the gym or traveling, I couldn't write them down. I've written these big three down for you, and you can get a printable PDF of them for free as a download. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. By the way, if you go to our website and look up the podcast, the whole transcriptions are right there at the bottom of the page every week. So here's the big three for this week. First, we've been created in the image of God. And like God, we have the unique components of him, his personhood. We have minds, we have emotions and a will. So if God grieves, then grief is a part of what it means to be human. Grief is normal. Grief in light of the truth of the gospel is good. Our goal is not to make grief smaller or help it go away quicker. It's to allow God to use grief to grow us and make us more like Jesus. Number two. Our emotions in grief mirror God's own heart, and emotions serve to catch our attention and point us to the truth in a situation and drive us toward the heart of God. The complexity of emotions that we feel while grieving are all an opportunity to understand God and his ways in a new, deeper sense. We don't only grieve the death of a loved one, we grieve sin and the effects of sin in our life and in our relationships. Do you have areas of your life where you've become stuck in anger or denial or depression? The truth of the gospel can free you from those painful feelings. And then number three, everyone experiences grief in their own unique way and timing. Giving those who are grieving trite answers or quoting our favorite scripture or Christian colloquialism to them may not be very helpful understanding which phase of grief they're experiencing can lead you to understand how to speak the good news of the gospel to what they're feeling in that moment. People don't need our good advice. They need the good news. All right, that's it for today. And before I forget, I want to invite you to get the Everyday Disciple Workshop. You can get immediate access to that right now. We've trained thousands of people in this powerful framework during our four-day challenges. And now you can get it and you can have lifetime access to it. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop to get this simple and reproducible discipleship framework. You're going to love it. It's everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. All right. Well, I got to get going. I hope you'll join us again next week because we're going to keep diving into discipleship and mission and gospel fluency and hopefully helping make this all a whole lot easier for you in your everyday life. I'll talk to you soon.